Why do guys chase sexual validation? Well, it's pretty simple. It's how we judge you as a man. That if one night, a knife-wielding maniac was to slip in through the window of your child's room, and your child called out, help me, you would be the one who would save him. Of course, because you have so much sexual validation. It's also how we know that if the city gates were under attack by the invading hordes, that you would be the one that I would have stand next to me holding a shield because I knew that you would be the strong enough that you would be able to resist due to all the sexual validation you have accumulated across your life. It's also how we know that you could be the shoulder that one would fall upon and cry when one of their family members passed away due to cancer because you have so much sexual validation. And of course, in order to gain more sexual validation, you must acquire financial resources. You must also drive a certain type of car. You must also live in a certain area. All of these things, only though those things, subsidiary to the primary of more sexual validation because that of course makes you a man come now my friends come now and so we live in a society where young male minds are being warped by instant gratification sexually through porn only fans instagram social media the constant messaging that if you're not sexually successful then you're not valuable you're not a man yet if you just look at all the three examples i just gave you protecting children protecting women protecting your city being an emotional vessel for someone in the time of deepest of grief do any of those things have anything to do with how much volume of sexual practice you have? Now, there is some overlap, I will give you this, between people that are sexually experienced, that have deeply practiced sexually, and also deeply cultivated themselves. You can find those in both. But it is certainly not to say that if you don't have deep self-cultivation, deep development as a human being, that it does not matter how deep your sexual practice is. I would still not trust you to defend my city, to defend my children or women. What is a man? A man is a journey. Welcome to today's session, my friends. Yo, what's good, my friends? It's Adam here, and welcome to the Bold Dojo Podcast. We're the home of self-cultivation, a place where we can just dive into social dynamics, where we can understand how best to interact with other human beings and learn about ourselves in relation to others. If you have any questions or personal stories that you would like to get my feedback on, you can always send them through at bolddojo.com, B-O-W-L-D-O-J-O.com, any one of the contact forms there. Or you can also reach out to me on social media, on Instagram at uitang1, double O-I, Tang1, or on Facebook, which is just Facebook, The Adam Ui. You guys can find all the links down below to that. Also, if you're not signed up to the free weekly email newsletter, The Bowl Sip, you can do so over at bowldojo.com. Just a quick sip of Social Dynamics, little cheeky article. It's free every single week. Comes out on Fridays, Australian time, and also some other sexy updates from the rest of the universe and any other things that I think you guys need to know about that will not get censored over on social media once off sessions. And I look forward to diving deeper with you. You can also pick up the guided meditation, Eternal Energy, on boldojo.com. A nice five track. Eh, we call it an album, but it's actually more of a course. Just diving deep into who you are and evolving beyond. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link, which is paypal.me forward slash Adam Ui, A-D-A-M-O-O-I. Or also directly on boldojo.com in the boldojo podcast section. There's a direct link through the website if you want to donate through that as well. And anything that you guys donate is always most appreciated and just goes back to help supporting this show and everything that I'm doing here at The Bowl. So thank you very much. Without further ado, let's dive into today's show. Yes, sir. So let's kick today's session off with an absolutely inspirational story sent in from Europe by actually a channel supporter who's donated to this podcast before, which I'm very grateful for. And I'm not going to use his name. I just want to keep that anonymous. I'm going to refer to him as X, but he is from Poland. And he says to me, Dear Adam, I have been following your content for the last two years or so. Thanks to it and my own experience in the field, I am developing my social skills to a point I would have thought impossible years ago. A week ago, I had this lovely instant date with a Polish girl 
and it made me reflect on some of your reports and how you give more importance to the connection of the souls than that of the bodies. I attached the audio report here. He attached his raw thoughts in an audio form, which I'm obviously not going to play just for privacy, but I have transcribed that and I'll read that out to you now. I was waiting for my friend David at the square. When I was arriving to the center of it, there were some people sitting down and there was this beautiful blonde girl with some hippie outfit and vibes. She looked at me for a second, but I was focused on looking for David, so I didn't pay too much attention to her. It was like, okay, I'll talk to her later. But later, she stood up and started walking, and so I went to talk to her. It was very clear from the very beginning that there was some connection there. We were very close. There was some chemistry, so I was like, okay, let's walk together. It was a beautiful day, a lot of sun, good temperature, spring has finally come into Poland. So we went to this park in front of the river. We were sitting together. We weren't talking that much, because this girl, first of all, didn't have good English, and secondly, I believe it's her kind of energy. She looks like the kind that's not very talkative. But she was expressing herself more with her body in a way. She's actually studying acting. So I felt my inner self with a lot of energy, and I wanted to talk and cover over the silences. So I was like, oh, fucking hell. I need to do something to work with the energy of this girl. So I decided to do this meditation with her. It was a lovely moment. Very deep. We were both super calm. Kind of cuddling. Then I laid down. And I was like, lay down with me. She put her head on my chest. We were talking about dancing together. And kind of started dancing while laying down. Doing things with our arms. Slowly moving things around. We were vibing, man. We were really connecting. It was very beautiful. I could see the people around looking at us like, what the fuck? Because it's not very common in Poland to show affection in public. Probably they think we were already married. But no, we only met 20 minutes ago. And then I went for the kiss, of course. But she was like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm very shy. <laughs> and I was like, haha. I was like, okay. He laughed at the audio message as well. I was like, okay. So after that, I gave her a little kiss later while we were dancing, standing up. After that, we said goodbye. And maybe we won't see each other ever again. Maybe she talks to her friends and they're like, oh, here's a crazy guy because he talked to you in the street instead of using Tinder and objectifying you. <laughs> he laughed again. Anyways, whatever happens, I will keep this in my heart, in my memory. It was super beautiful. We didn't do something crazy. We didn't fuck or anything like that. It was just the connection and the chemistry of the moment. P.S. Days later, she told me that she was having an open relationship when we met, and now she and her boyfriend have decided to close it up. But I'll surely keep this experience within my heart for the years to come, filled with gratitude. All the best, signed his name. So that was an absolutely beautiful story, and I thank you, X, for sending that in. We're not going to do a tremendous breakdown of it, because there's another story from one of my clients that I worked with this week that is even more intense that is going to brother along quite well and is going to speak to this podcast about the sexual validation of things. But I just want to honor what went down in that story just for one second, which is that you have a masculine being, he sees the feminine, he goes, I'm a man, you're a woman, let's see if we connect, inspires a cold, cold social dynamic experience on the serendipity of things, transcends the physical and the mental and steps into the spiritual sexual space. Heart, head on the heart, head on the heart, connecting hearts, connecting spirits, it's beautiful, whether it progresses to sex or not. Well, listen, that's what I'm saying is that I've been saying in all these recent podcasts is that there's a very big difference between sexual penetration, you know, having sex, in quotes, versus making love. And it sounded like what you two were doing there was making love. And I commend you for elevating, evolving to that space. So well done. Now, 
Second story. The second story is from one of my clients, and this was a pre-context sent in for one of our sessions that we worked on in an hour-long session throughout the week. However, I want to read this out, and you prepare yourselves for this because this is quite intense. Sunday was an even more incredible experience. I reconnected over Instagram with a girl my age who I had gone out with once two years ago before COVID in college. In brackets, a really unremarkable date. I managed to kiss her, but verbally asked for it. You would have cringed. In brackets. So we agreed now to grab up a coffee and catch up around a certain city in the US. I also re-listened to your full guide to day two's podcast from super long ago, which helped a ton. I'll go through some details and takeaways below, but in summary, the quick coffee date turned into a 10-hour day together, where we went through a park, went to the beach, got food on the promenade, and went back to mine to watch some TV at night. I was definitely feeling some serious anxiety beforehand, but allowed it to flow and invited it in like last time. And that seemed to work real well. From the very beginning, I recognized how extremely feminine she was. I also noticed that she seemed to be very nervous at the beginning of the date, or at least have some defenses up. She's very attractive, in brackets. She's a model and a stylist at an agency, in brackets. And I think that lots of experiences with shitty guys has made her a little reserved and uncomfortable with a masculine presence. To be more specific, for the first two to three hours of the date, we got coffee and then walked around and sat in a park nearby she would almost never make eye contact with me. In the park, she also wore sunglasses the entire time and even continued to wear them once it got cloudy and they were no longer necessary. Despite this, she was very comfortable being led when I suggested walking around the park and when we were sitting. She was comfortable with being hip to hip and having my arm resting on her leg. At this point, I expected the date to end after our talk in the park. So I wanted to take your advice from the day two's podcast and go in for the kiss then set up plans for the day three. However, when I quieted down and let the silence linger, she would always continue talking, and she was also still not making eye contact with me, which made me going in for a kiss quite awkward. I just relaxed and let the interaction continue. She was very comfortable holding hands when we got up to walk back to her car, but when I stopped walking and turned her to face me to say a couple words and then go in for a kiss... I think she sensed the energy and got nervous and asked to keep walking. In retrospect, she seems to be someone that's uncomfortable with public displays of affection. And there were quite a few people in the park. I was planning on kissing her goodbye once we got back to her car. But when we arrived, she mentioned that she wasn't doing anything else that day. And it felt like she was asking me to take the lead and keep the day going. I had not planned any logistics beyond the park. So I suggested we just drive down to the beach and walk around. In brackets, objectively a shitty idea. The weather was bad and it was cold and windy. (laughs) This was the energy she gave me repeatedly for the rest of the date. Whenever things would start to wrap up, she would express to me in one way or another a sort of, okay, what's next? And we just kept the day going. At the beach, we sat on a grassy hill overlooking the sand and people dog watched. This whole time we'd been talking about everything and anything. We were close sitting together although she still wouldn't allow for much silence and still wasn't making eye contact with me. Taking stock of the whole situation, I figured she was definitely into me and the interaction. She was very comfortable touching, holding hands, keeping the day going, but she appeared to be nervous and needed me to take the lead. I told her to close her eyes. She did, no problem, and was very receptive when I went in for the kiss. It felt very smooth and natural to me. It wasn't like a big, oh wow, we just kissed. But just felt like a natural thing that happened in the course of the interaction. We kissed just a couple of times 
and then went back to talking. Shut After the beach, she still seemed to be expecting me to lead. So I suggested we get some food as I was starving. We went to a chill Mexican restaurant on the promenade that she was familiar with. This was a really rewarding part of the night because she started to really warm up and lose herself in the moment. Now she was sitting across from me, making tons of eye contact with me, and she would talk passionately about all the things going on in her life right now. I was thrilled that she seemed to be so much more comfortable, and I was really glad I took the time to talk and relax with her throughout the day without needing to rush any kisses or end the date. There was lots of laughter, and we had a good time. After finishing dinner, it was night now, and she was still giving me the, so where are we going next? I told her to drive to my house, in brackets, as she would have to drop me home off regardless because he had walked to go and met her at the park, but she had driven. I was planning on asking her if she wanted to come in to watch something, but once we arrived, she naturally asked, where should I park? And it seemed she had the expectation of coming in all along. Upon entering my place, I myself was extremely anxious and uncomfortable. I hadn't cleaned the house and I felt a little, un- I felt a little vulnerable. And in general, I had just not expected this date to go anywhere near this far. Knowing how I was feeling, I was sure that she was probably uncomfortable herself, so I decided to take things extra slow. We watched two episodes of a TV show. She was very comfortable laying her head on top of my chest, and we laughed a ton and talked over the show frequently. When we stopped watching, she seemed a little stiff for a bit and still wasn't quite comfortable with the silence and the eye contact. But once I went in for the kiss, she was very passionate and we had a heavy makeout on the couch. Here was the best part of the night for me. I myself was quite nervous and feeling some experience anxiety. And I realized that she must be feeling that same thing. She was clearly a little nervous throughout the whole date, although I could tell she was very attracted. And now she was in the home of a guy she hadn't seen in two years with him on top of her making out. I'm sure that she was very nervous about expectations of sex. And I know I needed to communicate to her on that level. So I stopped and said, hey, I'm not sure if I even need to say this. I'm loving this right now. But I understand that this is the first time we've seen each other in two years. And things have moved very fast. So I'm going to keep on enjoying this. But if I go a little too far, if I go a little too far, feel free to pull the reins back on me. Okay? She immediately responded with, Wow. That was actually really hot. And I was thrilled as I knew I had communicated myself well. After that, she started making out much more passionately and felt far more comfortable. At this point, I was picking up on some interesting, maybe red, flags from her, and I was having a bit of trouble interpreting them. First off, before I said the thing about pulling on the reins, the makeout was getting heavy, and I suggested that we move from the couch to my room. She responded with, no, don't say that. And I wasn't sure what to make of it. After I said the pulling on the reins thing and she was expressing herself much more comfortably, I suggested we go back to my room again. And she said, I don't know. I just think if I go back there, I'm probably going to stay the night here. For context, she had previously mentioned needing to go home tonight as she had work early in the morning. Here was my dilemma. I knew from experience that she was a very feminine girl that wanted me to lead her. And I also knew that there was a part of her that craved going back to my room for sex. I also knew that if she wanted that, she would never be able to say that to me explicitly, and she was probably prompting me to take the lead as usual. I think I could have responded with something like, I'd like it very much if you stayed the night, and she would have come back to my room. But when it comes to sex, and especially consent, 
I really wanted to get a strong yes from her. I felt that although she was very sexually attracted, she was still dealing with a lot of nervousness. And I think going all the way with her on a night before work may have been a little too far out of her comfort zone. Or said differently, I didn't feel I had the proper social dynamics experience to guide her through that experience in a way that made her feel totally comfortable and open, especially with something as serious as consent on the line. Regardless, I told her that it was all right and we can just stay here on the couch and keep things relaxed tonight. I think this is the right decision, but despite that I did do exactly what you said not to do in your day two's podcast, which was have a really heavy makeout session without having sex, thus leading to her feeling uncomfortable with a day three because of the massive expectation of sex. Eventually, we winded things down and then I walked her back to a car. I tried to do some seating for a day three, mentioning some various activities around a certain city, which I'll not mention. Overall, it was an amazing day though. I really felt like I grew a lot and gained a much better understanding of what it means to create a vessel for the feminine, as you always talk about in your podcasts. I felt like the whole day was me patiently guiding her and allowing her to warm up to me until she felt very comfortable being in a sexual space with a guy she hadn't seen in a long time. I'd love to talk more and hear your thoughts on the whole experience, as well as any red flags you might have picked up on my part. Thank you for reading the extra long pre-context, and I can't wait to talk to you. Bam! And so again, another beautiful story of masculine to feminine connection, in which that this particular masculine is doing everything he can to deal with his anxiety, to battle through the process of a very fast-tracked sexual experience, and trying to stay within, as what I described before, as the bounds of love, of the process of making love, which does not circumvent these ideas of trust and comfort and understanding the empathetic need to pace, to understand where she's at, understand where you're at and to bring that into harmony. He's trying to make love as best he can, but he's realizing that there's these mixed signals going back and forward on her part. We can break down those social dynamics in a second. We'll get, because obviously I did a client session with him, helped him to understand what she was actually attempting to communicate when she said a couple of things on the couch. We'll get to that in a second when we get into some nitty gritty. But I just, because the point of this podcast is about the sexual validation of things. And the truth of sexual connection. And what I see there in that story is just a very much a flying colors reading of all of that. It really, it's, it's beautiful. When you put that together with the story from Poland, this is what, this is the development of men. When I look at these two different stories, when I gave you those three examples at the beginning of the podcast, the protecting of women, children, and your city, and being the emotional vessel which someone could break down upon in their deepest moments of grief, you look at the two stories you just went through. You've got a young male in Poland who's not trying to push things any faster, any more than they need to be. He's just absorbing the moment, the chemistry of the moment, as he said, learning to see her for who she is in that moment, grateful for the experience overall, regardless and irregardless of the fact that there was no sexual penetration, can walk away from it feeling stoked as a masculine being. Then you've got this story in which that so much internal tribulation, so much internal discomfort being pushed through having to understand within himself ideas of, is this what I need right now? Is this what she needs right now? Empathy, compassion for the person in front of you. Learning to call things off when they felt right in the moment. Acting upon principles of being direct, congruent, authentic, covering of empathy. I see all these principles being acted upon in both scenarios. And so I know that based on the trajectory of these two stories, we have men in the making. These are Men in the making, if not young men now, men in the making. They're on the right path to that. Keep following these lines, lads. Keep following those two lines, and we'll, I'm not sure how long, much more longer it'll take, but you're not that far off. There's still improvements to be made, actually, in both stories, which we can cover in a second, uh, which we will. We'll get into the tactics, and we'll get into, as we like to do, 
break down some of the social dynamics in a second. But just safe to say, and I was actually dealing with this with a client just yesterday, which is this. Fail better. Fail faster. Suck better. Suck faster. Failure is welcomed as long as you are going to fail in the right direction. And that what I was discussing with my client was that even though he's experiencing a lot of hardships in his social dynamics training at the moment, it seems more intense than it actually is because he's only one of one. So his life is just his. He doesn't have the reference of all these other people around the world that he's been coaching and have his clients and supporters of the channel. So I can see based on the trajectory of his development that, it, listen, even though, yeah, you're messing up here and there, in general, you're moving in the right direction. And that's what I feel there with these two because if we ever were looking for some form of sexual validation, which we never would be, by the way, but if there was any, those two stories are it. Like if you wanted to validate a masculine being for his experience given in a sexual arena, it would be one of those two stories. It, both. It would be both those two stories that it was paced out, it was considerate, compassionate, empathetic for the person in front of them. They weren't trying to show up as anyone else. They weren't trying to mask themselves as this caricature of alpha masculinity. They, they were just sitting within themselves and yes, there were some shakes along the way, but for the most part, sitting within themselves. And if you are a masculine being listening to this, forget about what your friends think of you. Forget about what society is asking and messaging to you. Forget about the Pornhub. Forget about the OnlyFans. Forget about this social media and this Instagram and having to portray yourself as this player or this, this I don't know what the kids call you anymore, this fuck boys. You know, you're trying to portray yourself as this guy that gets girls, gets us. Forget about all that because none of that is set to a trajectory of manhood. None of the short-term gratification will see you in the next five to 10 years result in the type of person that I would have protect my women, children, village, and be an emotional vessel in the deepest moments of grief. Not at all. So I said we'll break down a little bit of the social dynamics. Uh, What I was going to say with uh, our man in Poland, when I look at the social dynamics of it, it was corrected towards the end a little bit because they obviously exchanged uh, details. They exchanged details. But in your final message when you said, you know, I never, I wasn't sure if we were ever going to see each other again. Just on the social dynamics things there, just because a girl was a little bit uncomfortable with kissing, especially on an instant date, you know, whether that was because looking in retrospect now, because she was in an open relationship that was obviously heating up if she was just about to close it down, as in they were about to become exclusive, you could see why she made a bit a bit apprehensive towards going into a full-blown kiss, but you said you gave her a little kiss towards the end. I wouldn't read too much into that off an instant date. You guys have spent 20 or 30 minutes with each other, so I wouldn't make the judgment call of that, oh, maybe we'll never see each other again, you know, because things because you felt a little apprehension from her or because it was just such a strange, rare situation. It's like when you're going through an interaction, cold, social dynamics, Met her in the the city square, met her in the park, met her in the bar, the gym, the airport, the club, whatever it may have been. I encourage you to take on a lifetime mindset when you're engaging people. No matter what situation is presented, exchange threads. You never know where that person's going to be in three months' time. What I'm trying to say here is that even when a woman, there have been many a time where I've approached a woman and she happens to be engaged, happens to have a boyfriend, might even be married, a few times been married, and several been engaged. And we had a great time. We had a great connection, which is what you described, X, in your Poland story. I would never walk away from that scenario going, ah, well, this is it. Never see each other again. Like, just because of the, 
now you didn't know in that story that she wasn't in an open relationship. You were just making that judgment call because I think you, she was a little apprehensive on the kiss and it was such a strange thing for you. Maybe you weren't used to instant dates. So, but in general, always connect the thread. Even with a girl that is engaged, is like, listen, obviously this is the positioning is that obviously we get each other. You know, human beings, as many of there are of us, it's actually pretty difficult to find someone that you really get, that you really feel on an intrinsic level, that you feel understands you, that sees you for who you are. If you happen to cross a moment where there's even a seedling of that, just in a 20-minute interaction on the street, in the club, in the bar, and if there happens to be a fork in the road or a, a crowbar jammed into this wheel and things aren't going to spin anymore because of the boyfriend, because of the husband, etc., just because they are romantically unavailable doesn't mean that you shouldn't connect threads and just see where you travel throughout your lives. You know this this idea of you can't be you can't be uh you can't have friends in this life. <laughs> you know it's just silly. It's such a silly mindset. I've had so many clients in the past that I've even been breaking down their interactions. I've been live coaching them in field, and you know they'll pass up on what's clearly this girl is absolutely feeling you. You're feeling her, and yes, there happens to be a boyfriend or a, a fiance in the way. But but that why didn't you just continue to be? Be friends, and I know people don't like to hear that, be friends, but it's not being friends because that's the only option. It's not as in you didn't test the sexual energy between you two. As long as the sexual energy has been tested between a masculine and feminine being, then friends is a perfectly fine option. What's not fine is if you deny the sexual energy that you feel for someone and do not communicate that. Now, in communicating your sexual energy, you must be devoid of external gratification. The seek, the search for that validation. That's not fun. What's fine though is that if you happen across a woman in the city square and it happened to come up in the conversation that she had a boyfriend or a fiance, to be 100% honest of her and say, listen, as much as I feel like we're connecting here, I think it's really important that you know that I like you more than a friend. When I look at you, I feel good inside. I feel that attraction towards you. So I want you to know that, but I also want to honor what you have going on with your partner. So let's just, let's just keep it cool. Let's keep it beautiful with each other. Let's stay connected. All right, you want to go out for coffee sometime? Let me know. All right, you want to go for a walk on the beach? That's fine. I am mature enough to be able to restrain my sexual energy to honor your relationship is what you are communicating. Do you need to say that in so many words? Hey, if you're a linguistic poet, you can if you want. You don't need to, but that's what's being communicated. And what I am attempting to communicate to all of you right now is that it is possible, it is possible for a hot-blooded masculine being to restrain his sexual energy with an attractive female if there has been an acknowledgement of the sexual energy between the two. So let's say, for example, in that hypothetical that I just was railing you guys through just for a second ago, that she said back, thank you so much for being open with me. Thank you so much for being honest with me and so clear. I do feel something for you as well. Obviously, that's why I'm here. But because, yes, I do have a partner, you know, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to walk that boundary. I'm trying to find that line. And this now, my friends, brings us to an incredible story that I've never told on the podcast. But it is now profit. It is now profit. I have told this in a bowl sip email article before. 
It was uh, quite some time ago. It's probably at least three or four months ago now. So sorry if I'm getting all the details wrong, if those of you who have actually read the uh, article version, which was were literally detail for detail. So I was at a, <clears throat> to demonstrate this principle, I was at a breathwork yoga sound bath session here in uh, Adelaide, South Australia, set up by Seeds of Ember. Shout out to Reese and Sarah, who've got their baby. Hope you guys are living strong and living well. And the great, great connection, great family down there, great community. So basically, it's on a Sunday night, and you get like 30 people in a room put into this hall, and we go through deep physical, like really aggressive physical movement, actually, Tai Chi, yoga, and then we go into the sound bath, where there's a whole bunch of instruments played. There's sound pan, there's drums, there's didgeridoo, there's drums, there's so much. It's incredible. And it's a full release. It's going to cost two hours. And then at the end, there's this chanting circle in which that everyone gets into a circle. You often hold hands next to each other and we chant out the few woms, the ohms. And uh, if you om me, pad me's, and everyone does a few yelling, there's some laughter, there's maybe some crying, a few people tears. It's really beautiful. It's a beautiful connection. And then afterwards, there's just chill time. You know, say hi to someone, hug someone. And as I was, and you've got to imagine when you're in this hall at this time, it's dark, it's dark outside, there's a whole bunch of candles. There's like a lot of candles up in here. And there's a lot of Himalayan rock soul lamps. So it's all red light. But it's it's pretty dark in the room apart from the red light. So I baby crawl my way across out of this chant circle into the middle of the floor where everyone's yoga mats are to try and find my stuff. I'm on all fours. And as I get to my yoga mat, I look up and in front of me, there's this beautiful girl who's doing basically the same thing. She's putting her stuff together, probably getting ready to leave or say hi, uh, say goodbye to a few people. And I just look at her in the eyes and I just know that I have to come over and say something. So I'm just like, hey, how you feeling? As I crawl my way over to her, she's like, yeah, feeling good. She sits down. I sit down. We're cross-legged in front of each other. Not many words could have been said before... I took her hands. I was looking deeply into her eyes. Started massaging through her fingers. Pushing her hands back and forward. Like waves. Playing with each other's hands as our man in the Poland story had described earlier in this podcast. Just making waves with her hands. At one point... I slide her hand up to the back of my neck and I slide my other hand around hers and I pull our foreheads together. We take deep breaths. Pouring our spirits into each other. Feeling the release of emotional connection between two human beings. She takes my hands, puts them into my lap pushes deeply into my groin as if pushing her sexual energy into me. I feel the heat rise within me and I reciprocate, taking her hands, folding them into her lap, pushing deeply. Throughout all of this, there are many people around us walking around, singing, dancing. I couldn't hear any of them. There was no one in the room. I feel all the sexual centers lighting up within me. I 100% have a heart on. 
as we draw back after many, many minutes spent just staring deeply into each other's eyes. Scarcely a blink, scarcely a flinch, just learning to see ourselves in the other, only to realize that we are in fact no one, and yet everyone. I feel the magnetic draw towards her, and so I start to lean in, looking down at her lips. As I come within millimeters of her delicate lips, she slides her face down the side of mine and pulls me in for a hug. A wave of confusion runs through me. This has been going on for probably 10, 15 minutes at this point, this very sexual dance between me and this girl. Kissing her felt like the only possible, natural thing to do. I had no other option because there was no other way of communicating to her. So of course I went in to kiss her. But she very clearly was not comfortable to be kissed. After this hug, I drew back and I looked at her in the eyes. But I smiled at acceptance for I did not know the reason for why she did not want to kiss but that's okay because of the communication of energy between her and I. So fulfilling. So healing. She pulled me in a little closer. Her lips to my ears and she says, I'm loving this moment right now, but I'm finding it hard to walk the line as I have a partner. A wave of relief runs through my veins. A cooling sensation throughout the blood as I realized that I had in fact timed the kiss perfectly. That I was feeling and accurate in discerning the feelings going throughout myself. She did not, however, say such words. I'm loving this moment, but I'm finding it difficult to walk this line as I have a partner. She did not say it with a full stop. She said it with a trailing dots. I pulled back a little more, just so I could look at her. We stared each other at each other deeply again for what lasted a very long time. What was I searching for? The answer to her question that had no question mark. She had offered me an invitation. I could still see her to this day sitting in front of her and I still have no regrets not kissing her even though I knew when she said, I'm finding it difficult to walk this line. Because in the deep emotions of the moment, she knew and I both knew what needed to be done. Yet, for the honouring of the relationship she was in, and I do not, I do not believe that 
there was any negativity running throughout her and the other relationship for I would have sensed it in her body, in her being, being so close. It really is just, as I believe human beings are hardwired to feel, that when someone is so in tune and so in connection with you, the logical mind takes a back seat. Your heart speaks louder. Your heart speaks first. Your heart knows what it wants. And so we left it there. Anyways, the main reason why I brought up this story was that we connected after this. Not just the beauty of that story as well. It is quite a beautiful story. But we connect afterwards. We exchanged our social media details and we still have a connection afterwards. And that if at any time uh, she decided not to continue that relationship with her partner, we could always kick it again. And we can still kick it, even while she does have a partner. Because the sexual energy was tested first. There's a very strong understanding, communication of the energy of my masculine between her feminine. And so that now we can be friends at peace. This is why I brought this up for the Poland gentleman. Now, switching to... oh, by, And by the way, just to re-tag this into today's podcast or the title of today's podcast, just looking at the story I just gave you right there, where was the sexual validation? Well, that concept, it's such a silly concept because... Why would I need to go and tell someone else, if not myself, that I'm more of a man if I was to go and have sex with that girl? There was a very viable hypothetical situation that could have happened there in which that, if I, because of the intensity of our sexual connection, you could imagine I'm hard as a rock this entire time and she knows it as well, that if I had chosen to go and kiss her right there, there's a bathroom in that hall. There's an outdoor area where there's, where there's privacy. If we really wanted to go ahead and follow that line through to the end and that's in that hot, passionate night of romance, that was all an offer. But the validation, it's why someone would think that you'd be more validated as a masculine being for not only breaking, having her most likely make a mistake, breaking her word to her other partner, but then also even just if that wasn't a thing, just the idea of that it only counts if you have sexual penetration. It's such a boyhood psychology. doesn't make sense. Moving forward. Switching over, I should say, to our gentleman in the US. Getting to the social dynamics. Uh, one thing that I want to pick up there, something that we spent pretty much the entire session on, and also it tags in very nicely to this idea of the invite. The invite. So, in the story... As they were on the couch with our US guy, he had a couple trip up moments, which we spent an entire session basically discussing. So I'm sure if he's listening to this, he already knows this, but I, of course, communicate these lessons to you now, which is that he had said at a couple moments, which is that in moment number one, where they were on the couch and they're making out heavy, there was a moment where she had said, where he had first offered to take her back into his room for them to go back into his room because they were out in a public living space and there were some housemates that were going in and out. So there wasn't a lot of privacy there. And she had said something uh, quite what I would refer to as inconsequential, mundane. Like it wasn't a real fire starter of any kind. There wasn't any tremendous emotion communicated throughout it. Not that I was there, but that's 
the the communication that my client gave me was that she just kind of said offhand that when he said, hey, what do you think about going back to my room? And she said, no, don't say that. It wasn't a no, don't say that, like with a full stop, like exclamation mark. It wasn't that. It wasn't like a, like I said, like a, like a crowbar into the spinning wheel. It wasn't that at all. So why she had said that? I wasn't there. I didn't hear a vocal tonality. I would need to be able to hear all of that in order to make a accurate suggestion. However, if we can look back in retrospect, maybe I'll do this in the second then. I'll look back on that. That'll answer itself as we address the second point, which was when he said for the second time, he had offered for the second time to go back. I'm not sure how much later it was. It might've been five, 10 minutes later, but he offered a second time to go back into his room as things were getting even heavier and things were getting more sexually aggressive consensual of course and that word's going to be very important and that she had said to the effect of listen i just feel like i don't know because if we go back to your room i feel like i'm going to stay the night i'm going to want to stay the night he had a big problem with this and he took this as a sign well actually let's reverse that he missed the sign he missed the invitation which is also tagging in perfectly to the invitation that the girl at the yoga room had sent me. When she had said, I don't know, I feel like if I go back to your room, I'm going to stay the night, I'm going to want to stay the night, that's an invitation from her, who's effectively communicating, you never had to ask, is it okay if we go back to my room? Didn't have to ask for that because of what you've done so far this entire date over the last 10 hours together, leading me the entire way through, leading me through not only logistically, but leading me through physically, mentally, and now spiritually as you two are connected in the hearts of hearts of things. Now, the reason why my client didn't, when we were talking together, why he said that a big reason was that he was afraid of the sexual expectations, that she's likely been around because she's a very attractive girl and you know pretty well socially set up, that she's likely also being a model and involved in agency world, Likely a lot of her experiences have been with guys, shitty guys that just treat her as a sexual object and they're always shooting to sex irregardless of what the experience is. And so he didn't want to be lumped into that box. He didn't want to put that pressure on her or himself, which is tremendous. However, what I had to say to him is is that you're not other guys. You've already demonstrated that you are different to all other guys by when you were just getting into this heavy makeout on the couch, pulling back, and saying, hey, listen, I don't even know if I need to say this, but, you know, I'm loving this. But if I feel, if you feel like I'm going too far, you know, too fast, just pull up the reins. You know, we can slow it down. And then when she communicated that, that's actually really hot. That then and there was her sign, tick of approval, that you are not all other guys. You've already demonstrated a level of empathy and understanding for who I am as a feminine being that most other guys have never done for me ever. Everything from that point on should have been the process of making love. Going back to your room didn't have to mean going back to have sex. Yet that was the idea in his mind. I said to him, what if if you had the intent of that you don't ask, you don't say, is it okay if we go back to my room? You just pull your lips away from hers take a deep breath brush the forehead brush the hair away from her forehead 
and just slightly deepen your eyes, allowing love to sweep across your smile. Slowly get up, take her by the hand, and lead her into your bedroom. Laying down, only to be a little closer, to breathe a little deeper, to feel a little stronger. What if that was your intent? Do you feel like there would have been any resistance or any, not only resistance within herself as to what was about to happen, but resistance within yourself? I highly doubt it. Because, again, as we always come back to my friends, sex is not the activity point in the burgeoning of a masculine and feminine relationship. It is only a reflection point of what has been understood between you two. Now, as you become more and more practiced and experienced, and what that is really to say is that as more trust and comfort is established between you two, then sex becomes an activity point because then it's all fun. It's all games at that point. But when you are still learning to trust each other, it works in the reverse. It is only a reflection point of what has been established. So establish, please. Establish that pillar, that foundation within your relationship that I'm going to take care of you. You know, if you're coming back to my bedroom, it's because I want to lie you down and I want to honor you, breathe with you, feel you. And become you. And you'll become me as we join this dance of eternal masculine and feminine energy. He had his mind blown by this, going that I feel like my high school upbringing has hardwired me to be this ultra-sensitive-to-consent being and has been hammered into him throughout high school. And this is what I said to him is that I can feel that, I can see that because you don't just – that's not what human beings are like by default. Right? That has to, you have to get that idea from somewhere that you have to ask for consent at every single step and every single stage. And listen, my friends, there is absolutely – okay, not absolutely, but there are very fu- – Far and few between women that want a man to ask for consent at every single step. And what you don't realize is that human beings are always giving consent, but we do it through subcommunication. We do it through our eye contact, our vocal tonality, our body language. Now, saving for clearly abusive situations in which that you have a male that is clearly disregarding a woman's subcommunication of the look in her eyes the tonality in her voice, and the tenseness in her body when he goes to make a sexual move that is too much, that is too aggressive. Saving for that, and he is such a dark soul, a dark being, that he's going to ignore all that and just impose himself upon her, which I'm definitely not denying. I'm not saying that that doesn't happen. Of course it happens. Of course it's a problem. It's also a problem in the reverse. That doesn't get talked about very much. It doesn't get talked about the domestic violence and sexual abuse that happens to males as a result of females. It goes both ways. Neither is more or less important than the other. Both men need to respect uh, women's sexual comfortability and both women need to respect men's sexual comfortability. We come into this life together. We need to honor each other. However, with that being said, passing that to the side now, now that we have that understood, when a connection between a masculine and feminine being is right, feels good, subcommunication is more than enough. Not once has any one of my girlfriends ever said to me, you should have asked me first. You should have asked to kiss me first. You should have asked to hug me first. You should have asked to have sex with me first. Not once have I ever had a woman say that to me. You know why? Because I understand her. I'm present with her. 
I look into her eyes. I hear her voice. I feel her body. And I make the necessary adjustments. I read the situation in the moment. How fast to push, when to pull back, when to slow down, when to speed up, when this needs to sit here, or when this needs to move forward. It's called social calibration. It's what human beings have been doing for eons, for thousands of years. It really grinds my gears when social justice warriors come up in here and infect young males' minds thinking that they have to corrupt the organic dance between masculine and feminine energy so as which to, in an experience just like this, if this male was to rewind this experience, if he could go back through it, all he had to do was if we just take out the social justice warrior-ness of things, the wokeness of things, and if he just sat into that moment and go, she's clearly reading, because he effectively ignored her signal. He ignored her invitation and just read it and got, oh, she doesn't even have to spend the night. Let's just go back for a little bit more privacy in order to, as I said before, feel, breathe, get closer with each other. Clothes doesn't even have to come off. But you can see how these mindsets infect people's minds. You can see how these ideas infect people's minds. It's not the end of the world for him. He's learning. He's growing. He can try again. He can do better next time, of course. But on the and to wrap up this idea on the consent of things, if a woman is uncomfortable, she will always communicate it to you physically, subcommunicatively first. If she is confident enough, she will then do it verbally. And that what I'm saying there is that some women might say, well. For example, there have been some examples where a woman has blamed a guy for raping her in post, even though she never verbally objected to it in the moment. And the reasoning for that being that she didn't feel safe to do so. She felt like if she, because of his domineering presence, that if she did speak up in the moment, she would likely fear physical consequence as a result. Okay, I hear that. But from the male perspective, looking at that, I said something very specific at the beginning, which you really need to be paying attention to, which is that a woman will always signal her discomfort subcommunicatively first, subconsciously first, through her physical actions first, her eye contact, vocal projection, vocal tonality, and her body language, the tenseness, right? Her, her free willingness of giving love towards you. So you don't, you as a male don't need a verbal consent to know whether she's consenting or not. You can see it in her body. You can see it in her eyes and her tonality of her voice. And it's really, it's ridiculous that I even have to talk about this. It's really silly that I even have to talk about this. Because it's like, this is like basics, like foundations. And now we need to get to the foundations of things. Because this is something I wanted to talk to you guys about. But I just, yeah, just wrapping up that, those two stories, uh, those two stories of sexual connection. And that, that to me, not that I'm looking to validate anything, but if, if, if I can use that word validation in the space of a sexual arena, those two stories, on the money. On the money. And neither of them had sexual penetration. Isn't that interesting? I'm watching air. So let's get to the foundations of things. There's a story I wanted to bring up to you from my high school. My first ever sexual relationship, actually. Okay, that's not true. My first ever sexual penetration relationship. I had sexual relationships before that, but one where I lost my virginity. And I was 16 years old. How in the nitty gritty are we going to get with this? Well, let me say this. The point of why I want to bring the story up is how I came to understand very early on what masculine and feminine energy is in sexual connection, in the dance between the two, what the whole point of having sex is. 
And so you can start to understand why these ideas of sexual validation never infiltrated my mind because I had a very early education in this, which is that when I was 16 and I lost my virginity, I was madly in love, deeply in love with my girlfriend at the time, who was a couple years younger than me. And so we were both underage. And I am by no means endorsing or condoning uh, such frivolous activities, <laughs> such fruitful activities. Uh, but this is, what, uh, this is what life is. This is what human beings are. So after our, our first time having sex, full penetration, like we had been together for oh, at least three to four months, I would say. And, you know, it had all just been everything but that. It all had been, you know, uh, sucking on the pipe. It had been the finger action. It had been uh, dry sex a lot. Also, when I say wet sex, I'm talking about wet sex without penetration. So we would be naked together, a lot of grinding and whatnot, but never actually going in. And I remember the first time that we act- that I actually did go inside her, it was like that heat of the moment type thing. And, you know, I was a virgin, she was a virgin. And, and it was good. It was good. However, afterwards, like it wasn't planned. It's not like we said to each other, okay, today's the day. Today's the day that we have full sexual penetration. After it, I remember if it was not that night, it was the next day. I remember her being somewhat, somewhat upset. Somewhat upset that it wasn't planned. Not that we had done it, not that the act had been done, but that it didn't happen in the timing that maybe she had envisioned, as in she thought maybe we were too young or so. Now, when I say upset, maybe that's a bit excessive. It was just, she was just, maybe miffed is a better word, just irked. I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to find the word to describe. Basically, what she was trying to communicate to me was that, you know, it wasn't the way that she had intended it because she maybe wanted to wait a little bit longer into our relationship. That's a better way of saying it. Okay. So, so I had said to her, and because of course at that time, like I, you know, I loved her and I still do to this day. And I felt really bad. I felt like shit, I fucked up. Like, I, I'm sorry that I didn't realize that that was uh, the envisionment that she had had. I didn't realize that she wanted to wait longer, but and just in the heat of the moment, we had both, like in the, in the heat of the moment, we both enjoyed it and it was both, we both agreed to it. But it was afterwards when she reflected on it that, and I, and I genuinely remember feeling at, you know, 16, this is like 12 years ago, I remember feeling like, oh, I, felt, I felt like I had fucked up. And I definitely communicated that to her that I was uh, really sorry, that I was really um, you know, sorry for that. And after that discussion, it must have been an afternoon on a weekend or something, and we only saw each other on the weekends. The next weekend that I saw her, a switch had flipped in which that now she was like a ravenous animal with me, that as long as we were using protection, she wanted to go full balls, full hard. Let's get it. Let's, let's explore. And this was both great, but also surprising to me because I thought she was not happy with the idea. Like I thought that we probably weren't going to have sex for at least quite some time now. Like she didn't want to go near that thing anymore because of what she communicated to me before. But now she had flipped like an absolute animal and she was really open now to exploring our sexual connection in full penetration because we had been making love with each other for quite some time before that, but not with the penetration fully. So as we progress through understanding for the first time in both our lives what sex actually means, what the penetration means for each other, 
we're very young. You got to imagine, I'm 16, she's 14. In our year levels at school, no one else has lost their virginity. No one else. And what what is, what am I like? Getting on to year 11, I guess. That's the year level that I'm in. The way that other masculine beings perceive what it is that I'm doing versus what is actually being done is so far off. The Hollywoodization of what sex is at that time is that all the other guys at school, like they're all like giving me pats on the back and smacking my back because they must, never that I actually said that I'm actually having sex with because obviously we're underage, but I, I said in so many unsaid words, like I, when they would ask certain questions, I wouldn't necessarily deny certain questions, which would give them the idea that we are in fact having sex, but never actually explicitly saying it just to protect each other. So, so, but they got the idea. And so when they knew that that was happening, they would treat it as if it was this Hollywoodization, this Hollywood movie of that. They think that I'm just this, uh, you know, like they, they elevate me to a different status. They, they treat me differently. They talk to me differently. They talk to me differently about the sex itself. They think it's that it's this, this thing to be attained, that it's an object. The sex itself is an object. The very fact that you're doing that with someone is, is something valuable. It's something worthy. It's something to be talked about and to be uh, congratulated about. But, I, I never played into that and I always remember walking away from that thinking that's so messed up. Like they don't get it. They don't get it because that Friday night when my girlfriend would come over or Saturday, Saturday morning when she would come over, this, let me paint this right out for you. A lot of times she would come over first thing Saturday morning where she would like walk over to my house. It's like a 25 minute walk from her place uh, or I'd even, we would like interchange but I remember specifically when she would walk over to my place and, you know, it would be, she would come early. She would come at like 7.30, 8 a.m. sometimes just so she could cuddle with me in bed. Just so that we could just hold each other in bed. A lot of times naked. A lot of the times just holding each other naked. And just for hours, not even going into really animalistic sexual penetration. Now, often, many times. And after, certainly, the cuddling was done. Going into very physical animal penetration which we both loved but using that word we made love we didn't make sex which guys my age and in my year level did not get and I never even attempted to explain this to them because I feel like unless you were able to practice that yourself you would have no concept of that and it it starks me amazing to this day how so many masculine beings don't get that they don't understand that they don't understand that yes there's a time for the anim- the animal things, but as we discussed last week, the deep love, the deep love, is the egg. Like it, it is in fact the cocoon in which that animal could be born. If the deep love is not there, it it, it renders the animalistic nature of sex fairly redundant. It renders it quite shallow, because yeah, you you can have a one night stand, you have a quick suck and fuck, and do you feel better after than that? I said, this is a question that goes through my mind, which is when you, when a girl goes out with the clear intent to just get fucked that night, just get pounded, get railed that night, does she ever wake up the next morning going, I feel better now? Like, I feel better about myself now? Where she wakes up next to this guy that she doesn't know, she has no emotional connection with, and potentially, 
hopefully if all things went well, this doesn't happen. But maybe if things didn't go well, maybe they just made a stupid decision. Maybe they had a little too much to drink, didn't use protection. She's not on the pill or she hasn't got any of those uh, implants, the implant uh, contraceptives. And uh, maybe busted a load and, you know, not sure. Now she's got to get on the pill and maybe there's a little bit of anxiety there, you know, apart from all those things. But generally, generally speaking, as a human being, do you feel sustained, more fulfilled as a result of going through that? Animalistic sexual penetration without deep love. I think if being honest with yourself, you're probably going to say no to that. And so now when I'm just, the reason why I want to bring up as well for this high school story is on the maturity of things, the immaturity of sexual connection which leads to this misalignment of sexual validation. Because if you don't understand humanity, if you don't understand the purpose of sex in your life, then of course you would be misled by mainstream society into thinking and valuing sex for something that it really is not. To think that a masculine being that has a lot of sexual penetration experience, that determines him as a man. Does it? Does it, how, does that, how does that in any way translate to when a serial killer slides in through the window at night and threatens to slit the throat of your child? Does, how, how is all of your sexual experience going to translate into your character then? Now, this is not me railing or now degrading the, what sexual experience brings to someone. It's vitally important. It is vitally important to understand deep sexual practice in your life, right, to to feel yourself inside of another. To see yourself as an extension of spirit filling someone else. The yang filling yin. The yin receiving yang. Whether you're a feminine or masculine listening to this, being filled or filling something. There's a responsibility there of sexual and emotional connection, spiritually connected. If you can help to transcend yourself to that level, if you can evolve yourself to that level, there is depths of learning there that are fundamental as a human being. But, it is not all the development of a human being and it's certainly the shallow act, the shallow act of just looking at the act because everything that I just said actually would translate to the makeup of a mature being. Everything I just said about sexual spiritual connection, the feeling and the receiving and looking at this polarity of masculine and feminine energy, that understanding of deep sexual practice actually would. So actually, I probably just fucked you over there for a second. But I'm talking, what I was really trying to say, that I went too deep on that. What I should have stayed at the shallow, I should have stayed at one meter. And one meter was this, that just the act of placing your cock inside a vagina, you think that that makes you a man. You think that that's going to prepare you for when the serial killer slides in through the window and threatens to kill your child. That when, the, when your very city is threatened to be burned down, you think that over times that you've had sex with a girl, that, that's why I have you holding a shield next to me. It's like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with, your, what's wrong with your mind? But of course, you would never think about it that way because society would never position it to you that way. The way that society positions it to you is that, no, 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 no. You get the girl and then you're the man. But you get the girl because that's the most important thing. And as long as you just have the girl, it doesn't matter to the quality of which you engage with her, just as long as you have the girl. Or if not have the girl, that you have been with a lot of girls. But forget about the quality of experience. Forget about the cultivation of character of which you are developing as a masculine being. That doesn't matter. What matters is that you just have the notches on the belt. You have the coin in the fund. That's the messaging from society. And you might say, who, who's, who, who, who's sending that message? 
that message never comes directly. If it did, no one would ever buy it. The way that they sell it to you is indirectly through pornographic advertisement on all levels. I was I was going to go straight to Pornhub there, but I realized that's actually not even the that's that's like the that's the easy apple. That's the low hanging fruit. What's even more insidious is things like social media and OnlyFans that are highly, highly sexualized in a fast food way. You know, if you're going to, there are some women and some pages that I know that put out really good sexual content, sexual content that is tasteful, that is uh, intrinsically deep and meaningful, but does that does portray naked bodies, sexual connection, penetration, all these things. But they do it in a way that honors the development of humanity. But that's far and few between. Well, for the most part, you see is, yeah, big butts, big butts and big tits. That's it. The big ass and big tits on Instagram pages, right? The squat pages. That's what you see. And what you see is these girls selling them off, selling themselves off for OnlyFans. I'm not trying to judge a girl who does OnlyFans too harshly because I do understand uh, being an opportunist and taking advantage of, like I've never judged prostitutes or porn stars or when these girls do OnlyFans or whatnot. Uh, for taking advantage of guys that are stupid enough to buy it. That's the guy's problem. It's like I don't, for the same reason, I don't judge McDonald's too harshly for selling their shit food to idiots who are willing to buy it. You gotta you gotta acknowledge, like to everyone, anyone right now, if you ever bought a 48 pack of chicken McNuggets, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you buying that McFlurry? You are an idiot. All right, you, you're taking in that processed sugar, that that ridiculous oil that they use, right? Those excessive calories that you would never be able to find in the wild. You know, you just you're an idiot. You're eating it late at night, where you definitely would not have been accessing food for fear of predators that come out at night. You definitely would be eating in daylight hours. Like you're an idiot. Like you, everything about fast food just stamps. Idiot. Now, I am, but I'm not necessarily, I don't fault companies, people who are smart enough to take advantage of hijacking humans' intrinsic reward systems and found a way to make a living through that. Because, because the responsibility lies with you. It would be different if we had a totalitarian McDonald state in which that the only food option available was highly processed sugar and highly refined seed oils and these ridiculous options of McFlurries and Chicken McNuggets. That meat has been frozen for months and months and months and months and just used of the worst worst quality possible. If that was the only option and we lived in a, and if, say we all lived in North Korea conditions, but that was the only food they gave you, then there's a big problem. But we live in a free, apparently a free society. Let's not get into the politics of things in Australia right now. But apparently we live in a free society and we, live, we at least live in a free enough society that we can make our own food choices. And so that principle now applies to our sexual choices as well. We also live in a society that is free enough that I can choose whether I pay for this girl's OnlyFans, whether I pay for a subscription to Pornhub Premium or whether I subscribe to this porn site or whether I do X, Y, and Z sexually. So that's why I don't, whether I go to a strip club or whether I go to a prostitute or et cetera, that's why I don't fault those girls 
for taking advantage of stupid males. Because let's be right now, like idiot males. If you're a masculine being listening to this and you are subscribed to a girl's OnlyFans, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. Why are you paying? Why are you paying to gain some form of sexual stimulation from a girl you don't know through pixels? And I know, Adam, sometimes they do meetups. All right, okay, you get to meet her once every day to get as well. Okay. Why are you paying for that when if you just applied yourself, you could go out and meet a real human being? You're an idiot. Now, if you want to be an idiot, that's okay. If you, if you, okay, it's just like when I say like you're an idiot, I'm actually trying to say that in the most positive way possible. Like I'm not trying to say that you're not, like I'm not trying to deride your humanity, but it's just one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Like <laughs> I would never consider signing up for a girl only. Like I, the moment if I was to put, like as I was putting my credit card details in for a girl's only fans, I'd be going, I am such an idiot. <laughs> I couldn't do it. You just can't do it. Cause it's like, it's, why it's, of course, I know why. Of course, I know why. There's the loneliness. There's the sadness. There's the depression. There's the anxiety. There's actually the entire point of this podcast, which is the sexual validation of things in which that if you are someone who's signing up to a girl's OnlyFans, you likely have misaligned ideas of sexual validation so that you feel a lacking sense of self-esteem as your mind is being warped by ideas of sexual validation. You don't have all of these subsidiaries that would allow you access to what society says sexual validation is. So you don't have the money, you don't have the car, the house, the social group, etc., the body, etc., that would all act as subsidiaries to gaining access to high-quality females and so that you would then get those sexual validation points. And so because you don't have all of that, you feel this vacuum sense, this lacking this chasm within you in which that, oh, the only way I can fulfill my biological sexual needs is by jacking off to Pornhub.com, signing up to an OnlyFans, which is a completely different thing, by the way. OnlyFans is not just about sexual stimulation. It is about feeling that you have a connection with the girl herself. That is what I find quite insidious about these subscription to to actual people. So when you're going on to say, if you're watching porn, it's just like a feed. It's a browse. Right? You you don't. This video was not made for you. You're not you're you're not on the top fan list. You're not well, whatever they. I don't. I've never signed up with the fans. I'm sure they have like a ranking system probably like patreon or something like that where there's like different tiers i'm sure you can pay to get into different tiers like most of these subscription sites have that someone correct me on that if i'm getting that wrong but i'm pretty sure that's probably how they operate it's a pretty good business model like i have that business model for my own coaching system of having tiers of membership it's a pretty straightforward thing so but with only fans like you it's like you're subscribing up because you get an emotional connection there as well. It's even more insidious because you feel like the girl's making the video for you because you you're this you're you're the red ultra platinum tier. So this girl makes the private video just for you. It's even more destructive, I would say. It's even more destructive. This is a major tangent that we got onto. So let me bring us back up to the bamboo shoot of things on the sexual validation of things, the immaturity of things. Would someone need porn and OnlyFans if they had their map around sexuality set right from the beginning? How is it that I, at 28, have no desire for porn or OnlyFans and see no value in either of them? How is And why has that been the case for the majority of my life? 
I, you know, and when I say the majority, I'm just being honest with you guys. Of course, when you're a teenager and you discover porn for the first time, it's the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> Let's be honest with each other. Right, the first time you get ace, like you go to extreme lengths, especially when you were my age, and you had to like get the, the internet speed was like one MB up and zero point five down. You know, it's like you, you it takes an entire day to download one video, and you get all your friends to come around, and you have this watch party of this one fifteen second. 144p quality version of two people kind of having sex, but you can't really see. Right, that that's what it was like when I was coming up, and that was fucking amazing. Apart from the ridiculousness and the the why it's like it's so taboo and it's so crazy and it's, but once you get the first past a few first few months of that, it's like if you if you have an addiction after that, there's a big problem. Right, everyone every male will say well if any male is being honest with you will say that if they watch porn, for the first few times they ever saw it, it's the greatest thing they ever seen. Like It's just ridiculous. It's amazing. It's like, how is this even possible? But then once you realize what's going on here, that actually, yeah, it's like going to a theme park. It's like going to a theme park for one day is incredible. You want to go back every day? Well, then things cease to be incredible. You go on the same ride again and again. It's like, well, you know what's coming. You know what this is. And actually, it doesn't really leave you with a very intrinsically deep fulfilling sense of worth if anything it kind of makes you feel worse over time it feels like you're draining more of your sustenance as a human being as you watch porn over time hence why you have so many people move in the opposite direction and do the whole no fap thing which has problems in and of itself <clears throat> now and this don't guess don't go don't get me started on that like if you're using no fap to get off porn that's great but if you're using no fap as a general rule in life as in you're never going to go through sexual pleasure in your life like that's a big problem so let's not get into that but what i was trying to make the point of there is that how on earth why is it that my mind is healthily corrected some people will say that well it's because you obviously have deep sexual practice and deep sexual experience but that can't be true because what what i'm saying is what you're saying can't be true that's why that's why it can't be true because there are just as many males if not my age younger older that have just as much actual sexual experience in terms of the penetration of things if not way more that have their minds completely corrupted and warped around what sexual value is so it's not it's not the deep practice of things and i've been elucidating this and drip feeding it to you throughout this entire podcast sometimes flying off into a real rant of what should be focused on where value should actually be derived. And here I want to hit you with a story from this morning, which is this. I was going for a personal best on the sumo deadlifts uh, this morning. I've never never attempted 120 kilos before. Currently weigh 65. Raw as well. No belt. No straps, no belt. And my previous was 110, which was last week. Oh, a couple of weeks ago. And Peter was there. Old mate Peter. Fucking love you, Peter. And Peter is probably about 12 years, 12, 15 years older than me. So he's probably in his late 30s to early 40s. He's probably laughing right now. He's probably early 40s, but I'm big. he looks like he could be his late 30s. Like he's in good shape. And uh, and Peter, Peter's a ledge. And and so he's he's supporting me. He's he's cheering me on through his lifts. I get my I, I nail it. I achieve my personal best of these three reps of 120. And as I'm recovering, as my shins are bleeding, as I'm walking around the gym, uh, you know, there's no one else in the gym at this time of the morning. It's like 8.30, 9am. And you know, so it's quiet. And he's just like finishing a set on the cables or something. 
And I just say out, I just I kind of shout out to him across the gym because there's no one else in the gym. I say to him, yo, Peter, can I ask you a personal question? And he's like, yeah, what do you want to ask? I'm like, listen, I feel like we're in the gym right now. I feel like I can ask you anything. And he's like, in the gym, Adam, you can ask me anything. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, so, because I know that Peter has three kids and a wife. And so I said to him, Peter, do you still use protection when you're having sex with your wife? And he, like a, like a Beyblade, just, just spins around straight towards me and goes, every time, Adam. Every time. And what proceeds is a discussion, is a discussion on how none of his children were planned. That none of, it was never a time where him and his wife said, okay, we have enough money now that we're set up in our lives and that we're in the perfect position in our lives to have these kids now. They just happened as the result. And, you know, the word accident can get thrown in, but he was very careful to correct that and say, but actually, it's really more of a gift, Adam, because, listen, we probably never would have had them, and so many people can't have kids. So many people either can't have kids because, you know, for women that have got uh, problems within their uh, sexual organs, whether they've got cysts or there's some, there's tubes not lined, there's many things that can go on in a woman's reproductive system that bars her from being able to have children. Men as well, men as well. All right. there's, there's many reasons why some people can't have children. There are many reasons where uh, people just really struggle to, to find the person that they even want to have children with. So it's like, oh, we were lucky enough to be in love already. We were in love together, Adam. And so even though we didn't plan to have our three kids, uh, that we see them as gifts. I went too deep too quick. That wasn't the first point I was trying to make, but that was the end of the conversation. So I thought that was beautiful. Though I thought that was absolutely beautiful. And that to me was a man's mindset. Peter is a man. Now it feels like I'm going to have to take you guys back a step. One of the first things, because I had mentioned to him, he asked me earlier on, in the, earlier on in the conversation, like only like a first minute into it, where he said to me, why, by the way, Adam, why are you asking me this? I said, oh, I says it's because you know throughout throughout my life and we talk about the raw dog and sashimi style. You know sometimes you're not sure whether I whether especially when you're seeing a new girl and it's something like I just been seeing a new girl recently and uh, you know she we wanted to be sure and so she took the the morning pill afterwards but obviously that's not a great option because it messes with the hormones and you know so basically I was just talking to him about I really want to understand an older man's perspective about going sashimi style, going raw dog. Because I'll be 100% honest with you guys. Uh, I, I, yeah, okay, we just got to be honest. I, I hate, like, everyone hates condoms. Everyone hates using them. It's like you're trying to eat a sandwich through a plastic bag. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't work. It does not, it does not, it's not great. It's not great at all. But, but because my game, my pullout game is, pretty top-notch. I'll say Olympic level. I would say gold standard Olympic level. Like I can have sex for hours and not be brought to ejaculation. Like it's, it's got on, it's like an on tap thing. It's a, it's a, it's a switch, which I've discussed in many podcasts, especially when you practice Tantra. Tantric masturbation uh, plays into tantric sex ability very nicely. It transitions very well. That if you have the ability to choose when you ejaculate, like you can be very confident in your pull-out game. 
what's the what's the old English for? What's the it's it's coitus of avoidance something? No, it's a coitus withdrawalis. Coitus withdrawalis, I believe, is the Latin or old English for the pullout game. Uh, coitus being <laughs> coitus being yeah, copulation and uh, having sex basically, and withdrawalis, well, you get that withdrawing, withdrawing. So, anyways, all I'm trying to say to you guys, sorry, we get off on random tangents here. No, why am I saying sorry? This is what we do. This is the podcast. But I'm very confident in my pullout game. But because I've been hanging around uh, with Peter in the gym and, you know, he talks about his kids a lot, it just made me want to ask him, you know, what are you doing at the moment now that you've had so many kids? And one of the things he said to me, he said to me this first. He goes, Adam, one of the, piece, one of the greatest pieces of advice that my father ever gave me, which I just threw away, I, I put it in the bin as soon as I heard it. I just didn't give any paying attention to it, was this. That your cock is the most expensive thing you will ever own. And then he went on to say to me, a couple seconds later, I'm not sure how we got to it, but he then went on to say this piece of wisdom for me, because that was his dad's wisdom for him. But then he went on to pass this on to me, which was this. Behave like you are people who have three kids. And I paused and I just said that, over and over. He's like, Adam, behave like people that have three kids. And I was like, I was like, okay, that, that brings that brings a different perspective to the to the game then. And so he he was like, he's like, you converted me over to condoms here. And listen, the other week, last weekend, I say to you guys right now, last weekend I used a condom. We used a condom for like the first four, I would say 90%. 90%. And it was like it was good. And Skin's ultra-thin ones are pretty good. Like, that's my brand. I like using Skin. Not sponsored. They should be, though. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Skin's good. That's all, the ultra-thin ones, they're the ones that's it's good because it's the thinnest one you can get. I've never had one break. But afterwards, after we'd finished, uh, like, for probably a good hour and a bit, just railing each other with a condom, uh, I took it off, and we were just massaging each other naked. And she was riding on top of me just... Just her wetness and her warmth riding on top of me. Full connection, skin to skin, naked to naked. It was a million times better than even being inside her with a condom on. Like that's, this is the levels of sandwich game where we're eating. Right, this is what we're talking about here. No, I don't even eat sandwiches. I only eat meat and fruit. That's it. And honey as well. Salt, a little bit of water. That's it. I don't even eat bread. <laughs> So all I'm trying, I don't, I don't even know how we got onto this. Oh, oh, the maturity of things. That's why. Okay, bringing this back up. So I really benefited from listening to someone who's, you know, 12, 15 years older than me. Yeah, I'll say 12 to 15 years older than me, who's got three kids. And I would consider him an actual man. And listening to him, the way that he talked about his kids. Ah, and this is what I was supposed to hit you with now, which is the way that he saw his gifts as kids, the way that. He had such perspective for being in love with the woman that he was with and that, you know, you can see there's the accident or the gift, but as long as it's the person that you, that you want to be with, it's like, that's what matters, Adam. And he really communicated to me in a very pretty, looking back now, pretty emotional moment of how he perceived the difference between making love and making sex. What sexual validation is. The concept of sexual validation, if I had even brought that up in the conversation with him, he would have probably just laughed at me. And gone, you know, it's like if I had said anything even remotely in that park, if I'd even come off that way, you know, trying to say, oh, well, yeah, I banged this dude the other night, or I was sleeping with this girl the other night, or check out this girl, she's so hot. And it's like, I'm sleeping with this girl. It's like, 
this guy would just look at me like, what are you, just a, a baby? What are you, just this little immature boy? Yet that's what the rhetoric, the concept, the perspective is infiltrating so many young minds, so many male minds, not even that young either. Like I see that that perspective still permeates throughout society to people my age and people older as well. And this is another story I want to bring up for you, my friends, right now, which I'd already thought about for this session, which is you can see sexual maturity in the way without having to hear about the explicit, the explicit nature of things. As you guys know, or if you don't know, I spend a lot of time on the beach. They're down there like twice a day. And, you know, I know a lot of people down there. I know a lot of very attractive girls down there, some of which that I've been involved with, some that I'm not involved with at all, some that were just friends. But it's not uncommon that, you know, that I'll bump into five, ten people on any given night that I know down there. And so when I'm going down this one previous night, I was just near the car park and opposite the car park, there's a really hip restaurant and all the cool people go there. And there's a girl that I know there and I won't use her name, just I don't want to call her out. But she knows who she is if she's listening. Um, she's a beautiful woman. She's absolutely beautiful. She's Australian, the typical blonde Australian girl. Like beautiful blonde hair, brown freckles, tanned as shit, a very fit body, and just beautiful. Beautiful not only physically, but also in her energy as well. She's a very loving girl. And as I was coming up to the car park, which is adjacent to this hip restaurant, there was a guy sitting on a truck that I know, and I'm saying, and I say hi to him, and we're good friends. We know each other really well. He's an older guy. He's probably 55. Yes, yes, he's a 50, somewhere between 50, 55, might be 53. And I'm saying hi to him, and then this other guy who I don't know comes over, who's probably about my age. He might, yeah, probably late 20s, early 30s, and. You know, he's, uh, he seems normal. He seems nice. I don't know him, but he seems like, seems cool. He's got a bit of energy about him. And then out of the corner of my eye to my right-hand side, as I'm talking to my mate who's sitting on the truck, the older guy, let's just call him T. T who's sitting on the truck, who's older. I'm talking to him, but I see this uh, figure moving towards me in a blue shirt and white skirt with blonde hair. And it's obviously a girl who uh, works who works at this restaurant and I only know one girl who works at this restaurant. So I know it's her, but I was, I'm, I'm having a sentence. I'm having a sentence with uh, T uh, on the truck. But as I'm finished, but I haven't even finished the sentence and she hasn't even fully come over to me yet. And I can see out of my left eye that the other guy who's my age has just completely tuned out to what was being said and is just staring like a dead fish, <laughs> just incapacitated by this beautiful girl coming towards me. I noticed that first. There's problems with that. Let's not get into that yet. Well, you'll see how it plays out. So uh, I'll just call her Jay. Jay comes up to me and she's she says in the most, in the sweetest feminine voice, she calls out my name, Adam, and she calls out my name and she comes up to me. And she gives me the tightest of hugs. And so, you know, we always give each other ridiculous hugs. You know, we've got that connection with each other. And so, you know, I grab her around the hips and she's around my neck. And, and we just hold each other. And because, but, you know, my philosophy, hug stronger, hug longer. We both get this. Our hugs are not just like one second, how you doing? It's like a full connection of energy between her and I. And so Jay and I, they're hugging. 
And so because she came up to me, my neck and my head is over her shoulder. And so I naturally can see what the other guys think. And while T on the truck, who also knows Jay, the girl, he he doesn't think much of this because he knows her and also he's used to me seeing, being being around females. This is not an unusual thing that out of his uh, socially interacting with an attractive girl, this is not an unusual thing. But the other guy, the guy, let's just call him Shrimpy to the left because listen, that's what he was. Shrimpy to the left is just gawking. Like he he can't even compute. He can't conceive of how it it's whether it's how why no it's 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 so hard to even understand the what's going through his mind that is rendering him incapacitated. It's like have you never seen uh, if not two people hugging, but two attractive people hugging each other like. What what's going on? Like it's it's uncomfortable to the point, to the degree at which he is incapacitated and just is being like a child, immature about this. Because I guess what what you need to understand is that this hug is certainly not a friendly hug. Like if you could imagine, and especially when a masculine and feminine hug is on, that if you just were to remove the clothes out of a out of that situation, these two could very easily be having sex right now in terms of the penetration of things. That's when you know your hug is on point because your hips are glued to each other. Your arms are glued to each other. It's so tight. It's strong. So, and by the way, and also in, in the tonality of her voice, in the way that I received her, you can just feel it. And human beings are so tapped into energy. We feel it. You can feel when there is a boyfriend and a girlfriend in the room and you don't know their boyfriend and girlfriend. You can feel it. Versus when it's just like friends on friends. You can see, you can feel it, regardless of whether they kissed each other or hugged each other or not. And so I can feel that this guy is very immature about it, and that's why I want to bring up the story. His perception of what sexual validation is, after that, after Jay and I had finished our hug, T and I, we had a little bit of chop, and she went back to back to work. He treated me differently after that. He saw me as more. He saw me as better. He saw me as, I, this guy, you know, it's like, it's almost as if he had elevated me to like the player status or like, uh, this guy's obviously a man. Like this guy's a real, this guy's a real man because this child of girl likes him. And so in the social dynamics, old school way, you would call this social proof. Proof of him being socially valuable. Yet it's just, it's so misguided because- what you're mistaking for the shallow wrapping paper of, yes, an attractive girl wants to be around me. You don't feel what's connected within the spirits of each other. You don't feel what's happening between our hearts. You don't, you, you're iceberging the true value of what's happening between these two beings. And so your idea of sex is misguided, misaligned, out the window. You need to try again. Don't pass go. Don't collect your $200. That guy was surely at an age that would have already understood this. I would have thought. It's just cringe. It's it's cringeworthy to me when you see males who don't know how to operate around females. Okay, you're a teenager and you're going through 
puberty and through the releasing of hormones, I give you a slide. I give you a pass. You get past 18 and you don't know how to handle yourself as a masculine being around a feminine. And when I say handle yourself, there are levels to that, of course. But I'm talking about just like not being incapacitated, not being able to, not just just purely being able to maintain yourself, your consciousness, your grip on reality around an attractive female. I know that it sounds ridiculous what I'm saying right now, like it's a caricature, but it's not. It's not, especially when you spend so much time at the beach. One thing you learn very quickly around the beach is how bad guys are around girls. Because obviously at the beach, it's a social contract that you don't have to wear clothes to a minimum degree. You, you, you can be pretty scantily clad around the beach. Like I'm very, most of the time, I'm shirtless at the beach um, and I'm wearing either budgie smugglers or Nike pros, which are the cutoff shorts. And so really tight. But girls are often walking around in there. And this is one thing. There's one thing on this past summer at the beach in Australia. There's a new fashion trend come across the women at in Australia, which is these new swimmers, these new bathers, which are basically just thongs. Like they cover nothing. They're just, they are essentially, essentially lingerie, but they're made out of swimming bathing material. This was, this has been like, it kind of popped up last year as in like the year 2020 summer, 2019-2020 summer, but this 21 to 2022 summer, it was like the all the rage. Every girl was just wearing these thongs that were basically bathers that were basically thongs. And so what you get to observe as all of these girls are getting around with their full asses out, basically, is you just, as a social dynamics coach, I just love to observe how all the other different males respond to this. And you can see which ones have a grip, which ones have a handle on the dance between masculine and feminine energy. You can see which ones that will acknowledge, okay, as an attractive girl goes by, but then they get back to being centered, grounded within themselves, doing what the hell they're doing. It's like, okay, it's a girl walk by, she look good. Okay, anyways, I'm back to here, being me. Okay. But then you see the guys that have no grip, no concept, no centeredness, and that any attractive girl that goes by, they lose themselves. They're just, the tongues are wagging out the mouths, they 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 chuckle and they probably make some corny as fuck stupid joke to their best friend next to them and the whole gone over guy start laughing go ooh, ooh, ooh that's a good one Jeff you know it's, you you see this and it's like this is just so disappointing and so if I was a female right now I like I I empathize with you so much for the the low standard of what you see amongst masculine beings which is a great segue to, for us to start wrapping up this podcast. When we talk, why, why do guys chase sexual validation? Because the, their, their concept of sexual validation has been warped. It has been, it has been sold. That is the primary word to use. Masculine beings' concept of sexual validation has been sold. It has been sold to corporations' benefit. It is in the benefit of companies to produce sexualized content that Hollywoodizes that sensationalizes the dance between a masculine and feminine being, which should be nothing but, which should only be a journey of two spirits connecting with each other, extending themselves, filling and receiving, understanding, seeing, feeling each other at the deepest core of who they really are, only to realize that they were no one, and then in fact everyone at the same time. The dissolution of self-concept, the priming of presence so that you may come into the moment, and put away your limiting beliefs, your negative self-perceptions, and your egoic attachments so that you could actually communicate love, feel love, not be in love, but to feel love, 
not talking about the deep romance of things that you may get into a relationship one day. That's all well and good. I'm talking about when you're a raw moment, an explicit moment with a new being that's burgeoning in the moment that you don't allow the concepts of society to infiltrate your organic space. Right? These ideas of wokeness and social justice warriness in which that you need to get a signed permission slip for consent. And, and so you focus on that instead of focusing on the consent form she's already giving you which is all of her subcommunicated social dynamic behavior, which has been evolving and generating for hundreds and thousands of years as human beings. Why should that be subjugated now because of all of this wokeness? Don't get sold. Don't sell yourself out. Don't buy in to the cars and the clothes and the house, the social status, the followers, the social media of things, the only fans of things, the porn hubness of things. Don't sell yourself out. Don't forsake what sexual connection actually is between two human beings, which is prime, present understanding of who you really are. Breathing into each other. Joining lips, joining bodies, joining hearts in connection eternally. Yes, sir. That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Does that not make you feel good? Do you not feel good? How can you not feel good? So take an assessment of yourself, my friends, as we wrap today's session up. Take an assessment of where you are in your sexual space, in your relationship space. What conversations do you need to have with yourself about how you've been progressing with your sexual partner? What haven't you told them? As John Mayer once said, say what you need to say. You might even want to listen to that song with your girl one day, just lying with each other in bed naked as the sun goes down. You might find yourself saying something a little deeper than you usually would after listening to that song. Anyways, moving forward, I'm really grateful. Thank you very much for diving into today's session. It was great to have you here and I'd love your feedback. If you want to send me a message on either social media, on Instagram or on Facebook or through the website, all the links are down below. That'd be greatly appreciated. And if you would like to help to support the podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link or through boldoja.com. Again, all the links down below. Also, if you're not signed up to the free weekly email newsletter, The Bold Sip, you can do so over at boldoja.com. Just a quick sip of Social Dynamics, a little cheeky article. It's free every single week. Comes out on Fridays, Australian time, and also some other sexy updates from the rest of the universe and any other things that I think you guys need to know about. That will not get censored over on social media. If you'd like to book one-on-one coaching sessions, create action plans, and overcome limiting beliefs to help you move forward in your life across any area of the temple, whether it be purpose, physical, mental, or social development, you can reach all of that through boldojo.com. Send me an email there if you're not quite sure, but you can check out the Bold Coaching Memberships or just once-off sessions. And I look forward to diving deeper with you. You can also pick up the Guided Meditation Eternal Energy on boldojo.com, a nice five-track Eh, we call it an album, but it's actually more of a course, just diving deep into who you are and evolving beyond. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can donate anything that you wish through the PayPal link, which is paypal.me forward slash Adam Uwe, A-D-A-M-O-O-I, or also directly on boldojo.com in the Boldojo podcast section. There's a direct link through the website if you want to donate through that as well. And anything that you guys donate is always most appreciated and just goes back to help supporting this show and everything that I'm doing here at The Bowl. So thank you very much. And finally, I wish you all the strength and power as you move forward in this life, not only learning how to interact better with other people, but learning how to interact better with yourself. 
Much peace and much joy. Ciao.